You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Oh, man, I hope you guys are doing good out there. I hope everybody listening to this is safe. They are, you know, digesting this new world we live in temporarily. Uh... And uh, things are going well for you, you know what I mean. These are these are crazy times, and you know what? We're here. We're here listening to some podcasts together. And I got a new episode for you guys today, featuring a man by the name of Mark Larson and also Richard Dickerson. And these guys are from Arizona, and their thing and their passion is catfishing, which is a topic that many of you have written in that you want to hear about. Kind of, uh, you know, kind of like catfishing 101 on how to get into it, you know, bait presentations, uh, you know, rod and reel setups, where to find these kind of fish and kind of which ones to go after. Because I'll admit, I don't know shit about catfishing, which is why I reached out to these guys. And these guys are super passionate catfishing, catfishing anglers. Uh, you know, they share some great advice, not only on their perspective of, uh, you know, the, the current temperature of the world right now. But also, obviously, catfishing. And at the end, Mark even throws in some financial words to live by. And uh, you know what? I had a great time talking to these guys, and I'm definitely going to have them back on in the future. Maybe more of an advanced catfishing, uh, you know, kind of episode to go into even more details. But I want to thank these guys for coming on the podcast and leave you guys with some words into for today's environment that we live in from Mr. Theo Vaughn, who always says, Be good to yourself and take care of one another. So here we go, guys. Here's some catfishing. On our official. All right. Welcome, welcome, boys. How you doing? Good. Good. How about you? Doing good. Were you guys, uh, you guys surviving these crazy times right now or what? <sighs> surviving or thriving? Thriving, bro. <laughs> You're thriving? It's good to hear. <laughs> That's, uh, the good. The good news is the corona can't get you when you're a catfisherman. Oh, is that true? Is it, what is it? Something in the meat? No, it's just because we're tough, that's, tough as nails. That's right. You're you're escaping the rat race and away from everybody. Yeah. Oh man. Exactly. Right. Well, hey, thanks you guys for uh, joining the podcast. You know, this has been an episode that has been highly requested and. I've kind of took it upon myself uh, to get the listeners to try to find some folks who were passionate about catfish. And Mark, I actually came across your profile um, just from a just random searches of you know like photos of catfish and things like that. And when I read your quote on your profile, it said if it lives in the water, 
and has whiskers. I'm chasing after it. So I was like, that's <laughs> that's my dude that I got to go after to get on the podcast. Sweet. So talk a little bit about that. How'd you get started into uh, kind of living by that motto? <clears throat> oh, man. Um, growing up, it's kind of funny because... Um, you know, you had the you had the young dudes that were sneaking out at night to to do uh, to do uh, interesting things with the opposite sex, going to the club, stuff like that. My mom never worried about me. She knew if I was sneaking out, I was either hitting the local pond, or I was headed to the river, or I was trying to sneak onto someone's boat at the lake. And uh, I just got hooked on catfishing at a young age, and then. Um, as I got a little older, took a little break from it, had kids, got married and just realized how bad I wanted to get back into it. And so in the last few years, uh, hooked up with Richard and just some other guys and just really been getting after it as far as catfishing goes. Richard, what about you, man? Yeah, I have a real similar story. Uh, my dad grew up catfishing, uh, the same lakes that we do down here. So he kind of had a pole in my hand, uh, growing up. Um, and then it was just the, the same thing. Uh, I, I was always, you know, fishing from shore, uh, trying to go, uh, search, find things. And then, uh, decided to take a step away, kind of like Mark did. Um, and then, uh, I just couldn't, I I'd try and hop on people's boats whenever I could, but just in the last couple of years, I decided to take it real serious. And then me and Mark just happened to hook up and, um, it's been good times ever since. You know, isn't that funny how like, you go through these waves of, you know, being like, I've never lost my passion for fishing in general, but it's just, you know, when life gets in the way, like you said, you, you know, whether that be, you know, you had to pick up and move to a certain area or you got married, you know, and then kids come along and you're prioritizing your time. But the passion and the excitement to get back into kind of like what got you guys hooked to begin with and myself, I can relate to that. And then like, you know, once that, once you can kind of see the, you you have a clearing and you're ready to go full bore again. It's almost like an addiction, you know. It's uh, <clears throat> it's an addiction, bro. Um, now my wife doesn't worry about me drinking or doing crazy stuff. She's always wondering, <laughs> like, she's wondering where the heck I'm headed, what river. Can you send me a pin? Who's gonna be with you? You know, like, she's concerned with my addiction of catfishing, but. What's cool is my wife is bad to the bone and now she's really um, just it's become a part of our life. And so now she's like, as long as you spend time with the kids and you take care of us, then you know what? Go for it. Go catch some monster cats and, and do your thing, which is a blessing. Oh, that is a blessing. That's something I think every every angler wants to hear from uh, their significant other. Um, so you guys haven't mentioned yet, just where, whereabouts do you guys reside? Because a lot of this, this podcast is obviously nationwide, but it's, it's huge here in the mid, it's bigger in the Midwest here, but you guys are kind of from a unique area. No, we live down here in uh, Arizona. We both, uh, I live in Mesa. I think Mark lives uh, closer to North Mesa. Um, so we're fishing the Southwestern, uh, United States down here. Yeah, when you think of Arizona, you don't think of like too many, you know, lakes and, and river system. Everyone here in the Midwest, or at least I do, think think of it as a desert. But what kind of bodies of water out there are you guys, you know, honing in on? 
their their reservoir water is down here. Uh, there's two uh, two kind of sets of chain lakes that we're hitting, um, but it's just it's dammed up uh, reservoir water. Okay, and there's uh, now are those those chain lakes? Do they feed into one another via river systems at all, or no? Uh, it's one central uh, kind of river system called the the Salt River system that chains up. What is it, Mark? Four lakes it starts with Roosevelt, right? But. Arizona is amazing because we got some fairly good sized lakes and then a lot of our lakes are connected with uh, river chains. I think I heard uh, Richard talking about that. Yeah. And so really, really depending on the year or the time of the year is really where we're targeting these big, these bigger cats, these trophy sized cats. So when the weather cools down, a lot of these big cats will leave the rivers and they'll head into the deeper parts of the lake. So you got to fish a lot deeper. And, and this time of the year, when the weather starts to transition and starts warming up a little bit, those big guys are headed up into the river to meet their, their ladies so they can make more babies. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So where are you heading them off at? Are you heading them off in from the big basin lakes then like at the, you know, from where the river feeds into those lakes? Is that where you're starting to go? Or are you going up the river quite a ways? <clears throat> you know, right now, this time of the year, um, as the water temps start to rise, if you start fishing the, the mouths of those rivers, at least right now this time of the year, but when it starts getting a lot warmer, anywhere along those river chains, if you're looking for, you're looking for deep holes and some really good structure, okay. because that's where a lot of these big cats, you know, that's where they're going to spawn. That's where they're going to mate and they're going to find those holes. And so as long as you got good bait and you're along those river chains and those holes, you're going to find those, those, those monster cats. And what size monster cats are you guys talking? I mean, I'm just very unfamiliar with catfishing. So like when you say the monster ones, I look at your Instagram, uh, Mark, for instance, and these things are the ones that you typically see people like throwing up over their shoulders just to get a photo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in our neck of the woods, you know, I know you, I know you talk to a lot of guys over the whole country, but, um, and there's, there's a different species of cat. There's lots of different species, but I know a lot of these guys are targeting monster blue cats. We don't have those here in Arizona. Um, so the ones that we're going after are these monster flathead catfish, and a trophy size flathead would be, I would consider 40 plus pounds. Oh my God. So once you hit that 40 plus pound range, then we're talking trophy size. Now, is is that what the, I mean, I've, I've never caught a fish anywhere near that, but is that where the addiction comes from? Is just knowing what size basically monster lives out there in those, in those systems that you could catch, you know, hook into a fish of a lifetime. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's always about trying to figure out it's that uh, figuring out if we can uh, find that monster that hides below, you know, Uh, that's that's where that addiction comes from, for sure. What time of day do you guys typically chase these things? Is is nighttime better than daytime? You know, is it dusk kind of thing or is it early mornings or is it an all day bike? Can you kind of get into that a little bit? Uh, I think we call prime time. What about midnight to one o'clock? That's usually about when we start to uh, get a decent bite going. Um, no, yeah, part of the fun of mid- midnight, yeah. midnight to four a.m. We call the bewitching hours. Okay. <laughs> 
So you guys just kind of hunker down on the riverbanks there, throw on some lights, and then uh, th- then settle in for the night. Yeah, part of the fun about catfishing, especially down here in Arizona, is bait can be a challenge. So that's kind of the, the the process during the day is trying to find the bait. Another challenge we have down here is we can't transport bait or anything. So if we're if we're going to use live bait, we've got to catch it on the body of water that we're on. Oh no. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're not supposed to transport or keep bait. Uh, we can take cut bait for sure. Uh, but, uh, in, in the big cat, the big flatheads will eat, uh, cut bait, uh, especially this time of the year when it's a little bit cooler. Um, but, uh, we definitely prefer a live bait. So, uh, most of the day is filled with trying to either get a uh, decent, uh, you know, a sub, a pound and a half carp, you get a, uh, you know, a bouquet of them or a couple good bluegills. Um, so to answer your question during the day, a lot of that is spent trying to get some, some bait. Oh, that's interesting. So I guess other States who might be hearing this, who have to go after their own bait. Um, yeah, I know you mentioned carp and bluegill. Is there a certain way how you kind of just try to stack up on those pretty, pretty quickly? I know like bluegill are just, you can catch a bunch of those just on bobber and worm kind of setups. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, well, it kind of depends on the time of the year down here. Right now, uh, uh, finding bluegills have been a little bit difficult lately. I don't know if I've had a bluegill in a lot, a good bluegill in a while. Um, right now, they're a little bit deeper, and they're actually probably uh, 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 on some structure. So if you're not on a boat, if you're fishing from shore, they can definitely be tough to find. Um, so right now, we've been kind of targeting in on uh, on carp and things like that. Okay. And then, um, you know, so you talked about the flatheads that mainly what you guys go after What the research that I've been doing, a lot of guys categorize into like the big three. So you got your channel catfish, your flathead catfish, and then your blues. Um, now those different types of species of catfish, uh, kind of have a different appetite, different, you know, type of presentations that they like going after. You guys mentioned, you know, you like to put that live presentation or the cut bait on, uh, you know on a hook and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get into the details of that. But one thing that I always read about catfish, no matter what species it is, is how important scent is. What kind of scent are you guys putting on your baits? And, you know, what, what kind of things for someone getting into catfishing should they hone in on when it comes to scent? Because you always hear how important it is when it comes to catfishing. So to answer this question, Lee, um, this is a great question because, over the years, um, I guess my philosophy has changed about bait since I've learned a lot more about these trophy sized monster cats. And so a lot of people, when, when they first start catfishing, you know, they go to Walmart and they get some stinky old bait, they get some nasty dough bait, some blood, some garlic, some chicken livers, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they'll have success on that, but that's what the juveniles, the smaller catfish really go after. And so when those juvenile catfish get a little bit older in age and they start to mature, even channel cats, they're not necessarily scavenging for that kind of food anymore. They're after meat. They want fresh meat. And so when you have a good chunk of fresh cut bait, whether it's shad, bluegill, um, carp, or whatever you're allowed to use in that body of water that you fish, when you use that fresh cut or when you use a fresh live bait, those catfish are going after, those bigger ones are going after that meat, that fresh meat, 
and they're not necessarily going after the, you know, they're not really scavenging. They'll eat if it's in front of them, especially cats, but your trophy size channel cats and your trophy size flatheads and even your blues, their main diet, their main source is going to be live fish or the, or the meat, the fresh meat, whether that's mussels or other things that are in that body of water. And so not only are these catfishes hunting based on scent, but they also hunt based, based on that vibration. And so that's why we tend to use live bait more often than cut bait. Gotcha. From the articles that I've been reading too, that's what I, I've also read is like anytime that you can grab the live bait, especially whatever's in their ecosystem that they're, they're feeding on. Like you guys said, you kind of get to the, the river or the lake early, try to catch that bait fish. And then, you know, during your bewitching hour, um, you know, keep it in, keep it in front of your face. And I think that would be a great topic to get into next is kind of how are you guys presenting these baits down? Um, you know, like you said, to keep it in front of their face. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So we have kind of a, if we're, we have kind of a unique way of doing it because, uh, uh, sometimes we have to uh, place baits where we can't cast to. So uh, we kind of use a method where we'll anchor the poles on shore um, and then run baits out using a, a kayak with a depth finder on it. Um, so uh, once we get out to that target depth that we're looking for, and especially if we're finding either a little hole and some structure around that hole, that's pretty much where we're, uh, where we're dropping our bait. Um, and then, uh, we'll paddle back in, set the, set the rig all up and then have it in the pole holder ready for the, ready for the fish to go. Are you guys, are you guys bringing any kind of electronics out there to mark any fish prior to setting up? Or are you just kind of looking for that structure or those deep holes that you were just talking about? That's a good question. Sometimes we tend to fish the same spots, especially once we start getting some production out of them. Uh, catfish can tend to be territorial. Okay. Um, they'll move, they'll move around, um, but they'll tend to come back to their holes quite often. So once we start finding a, a good hole, we'll kind of target that a little bit. And then when we want to either, when that, when that hole dies off or, uh, the bite moves on, that's when we start looking uh, for some other spots. I would say too, um, <clears throat> on the whole electronics topic, cause you got guys that are on either side of the spectrum, you know, you see the guys with the boats that are loaded with computer screens and all this crazy stuff. And then you see the, the old school catfish guys that don't believe in any of that stuff. And you know, they, they go based on what their grandfathers have told them and blah, 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 and all that stuff. But I'm kind of in the middle. So I think your average fisherman that's trying to get on some trophy size fish, especially on the catfish, you know, train is just to have a basic depth finder is going to be a game changer because those depth finders, what you're looking for is you're looking for a transition under the water where you have either a ledge or some sort of flat area that maybe drops down into a channel because those big those big fish cruise those channels and they come up at night or how whenever they want to feed they come up out of those channels or those holes and they feed on those bait fish and they go back down so one of the ways that you can really increase your chance is whether you're in a boat or you're on a kayak or whatever is to map out where those transition spots are maybe a creek that runs into the main river or maybe a flat area where bait fish stay and then there's a drop off nearby 
you really want to drop those baits as close to that ledge, if not on that ledge, if possible, because you want that bait fish or your bait to be the first thing that that monster flathead comes up that channel or up that bank under the water. And that's the first thing that they come across. They're going to swallow it. Gotcha. Dude, that's a great point to, uh, to, to kind of start. Cause you know, there's a river system when the river systems that I fish back here in the Midwest, you know, you kind of find those holes that you're talking about and kind of those eddies that kind of feed the river in certain aspects. But you know, a lot of the times, a lot of the, you know we're we're floating our baits kind of like in the middle of the water column or on top for like smallmouth or something like that. You know I've never set I've never fished it at night or that type of fishing at night to keep the bait to kind of just let it sit down in those deep holes to even go after catfish. You know so I think if anybody's listening to that kind of those holes that you're you're finding um, for other species that you might be fishing for during the day, try going back there at night. And uh, setting up to what these guys are talking about, anything, you know, to keep those baits down in those holes. And hopefully, like you said, as the catfish come to check them during their bewitching hours, you'll you'll hook into a big one. Absolutely. Go ahead, Richard. No, I was going to say, yeah, that's 100% right. What I was going to say, sometimes I grew up fishing, a lot of people would say that the catfish were like the bottom feeders, you know, going back to that stink bait point or things like that. But back to Lee's point. Uh, where you where your predators during the day are or probably when those when those predators leave the catfish come back in and replace those during the night so that's a great point lee yeah what else you got mark what were you gonna say i was just you know i I wanted to just exactly what richard said what you said if you're if you're targeting a species of fish during the day where they're active and they're feeding and stuff like that generally speaking, if there's bait fish and other fish feeding during the day in those same areas, there's a good chance that when, when the, when the clocks turn and it starts to get darker, that your, your monster flatheads, your, your big old blues, even your, your bigger channel cats, other than your juveniles that are just eating whatever they can find. That's where they're headed to find dinner. Gotcha. You know, the other thing that I like about this setup, too, is I know you guys have mentioned that you have kayaks and stuff like that, but, you know, it's a great way to, if you don't have a big boat or you don't have a, access to a boat that you can, you know, fly around on. You know, I, I can remember not having a boat when I moved down to Ohio and, you know, bodies of water that I'm not, you know, unfamiliar with. And I would just find local rivers and things like that and then just make it my own. And I always remember thinking, like, I've learned more river fishing most of the time than I have in a boat. You know what I mean? Just kind of seeing how the river runs, you know, the, like the different eddies, the holes and learn, learning to know where to look for things. So I feel like if you're good on the river and you can, you're, you're good from shore, if you get in a boat, it's just going to seem so much easier to be dialed in on, on certain spots and you'll be able to cover a lot of ground too. Yeah, Bart's the boat guy. I don't have one yet, but I 100% uh, agree with you. I know whenever I get a little bit of chance or time to sit on a body of water, I think uh, you get a, you just get more familiar with it and uh, learn uh, the little tricks of it for sure. Yeah. I think boats can be a game changer, like you said, because you can access areas where some of these shore fishermen uh, may not have the ability to reach, but it's also a different ball game when you're out in a boat fishing holes and anchored out in big water or if you're just um, 
you know, drift fishing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a different ball game, a little bit different techniques come along with that. But like you said, when you're, when you're there on the bank and you spend time there fishing those areas and you get a feel for what's going on in those rivers and how the fish are feeding and it's, it definitely, once you get into a boat, you just get more access to more of those areas. Does that make sense? No, totally. The rivers are always changing too with levels and things like that. So it's kind of tough to, you know, you standing in shore are going to get a better feel of what the river is doing, how fast it's flowing when you're standing in the water or you're by the banks and you are like in a boat. You know what I mean? I've always, yeah, absolutely. I've always found that to be somewhat of an advantage and it's a great way to get into the style of fishing. You don't have to have the big boats and things like that. And you can do it from the river, um, river's edge, but now let's get into like pound test setup and like Mm -hmm. just a standard, a standard rig of how you would chase after these things, because I'm imagining, you know, my, my 12 pound test or my 10 pound fluorocarbon is not going to hold up to a 40 pound catfish that I'm trying to <laughs> drag in a current over to the riverbank side. <laughs> Richard's the man on tackle. Come on, Richard. Show him what's up. Yeah, Richard. Uh, so we use kind of, uh, there's two different uh, setups that we use. There's a, a three-way uh, rig and a, and a Santee setup, but um, it all kind of starts with uh, your main line. Uh, the main line that we're using is uh, I've kind of switched to, I started with mono uh but i've kind of switched off of that uh uh just because we're using some pretty some pretty heavy uh test uh, i think right now on my poles right now i've got 150 pound uh brain on it right now oh my god um, and that's just and that's well what it comes down to is it's not just the poundage of the fish a lot of times we're fishing structure so um a, a lot of times this isn't a clean fight when you get that monster on uh, you have to have the the pound test to be able to to manage the fight through the structure itself too. So um, I don't know if back in the Midwest you guys have things called like mesquite trees or anything like that, or is that something you guys have? It's kind of like a bushy style tree. A mesquite you guys, tree. guys have anything like that? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say we have we have uh, mesquite trees down here, and with the flooded reservoirs, a lot of times the structure that we're trying to fish are these old mesquite trees. So when we're going to to pull these uh, fish out of these trees, we definitely need that that heavy pound test line to be able to to pull them out of that. Um, and then from there, from the main line, uh, we'll start to get into leader. Uh, my leader, I'm using a. a, a a mono uh, uh, setup right now, um, and uh, depending on what rig you're going with, I think right now we're kind of a fan of the three-way rigs, where it starts with kind of a little three-way swivel yep. on the, uh, and then uh, on the the hook side of things, you just got a a mono into a big J hook or a big circle hook, and then on the bottom side of the three-way, um, this is where it gets a little bit interesting with this structure. Is we'll have a big heavy sinker on the bottom of that, okay. but we'll only tie that on with some with a, like a ten or a twelve-pound uh, mono leader on it. Um, and the reason for using the lighter on that is if you get your weight caught up in there, you don't you can break off that lead, um, and then you don't lose the whole the whole rig. Gotcha. So then you just retie the uh, the lead weight on the bottom rather than snapping off at the the main line and then you're retying or retying your hook every every time you get a snag 
Yeah, 100%. Because it's it, uh, one of the sayings we have down here is if you're not if you're not snagging, you're not fishing, you're not catching basically. Gotcha. Okay, so you're 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 on the bottom and you want to make sure obviously you're staying in contact with that. And then your bait is your bait just kind of floating up then with the current. So like are you, that's when you use kind of something like a would you use like a fluorocarbon so like a line that would float up or does it matter if it's up or on the bottom or where? You're, I'm talking uh, specifically well, your bait. Exactly. So I missed a, a main point in there, Lee, and I'm glad you kind of reminded me of that. Um, it's actually not necessary to use any of that because we actually uh, on the before the swivel or sorry, before the three way swivel on our on our main line, uh, we've kind of switched over to using a float bobber on that. Okay. So it'll suspend that main line up. And then the the weight holds it down in the middle, and then the uh, or holds the the weight down on the bottom, and then the fish is kind of free to swim around in that three way if it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. <clears throat> With that three way setup, you know you can put that dropper down to your weight at different lengths depending on how far you want that bait off the bottom. And the good thing about that is when you're fishing a live bait, I don't know if you guys, have you ever heard of a water dog before, Lee? I have not. Explain it. It's like a giant lizard, and it's actually one bait that you can actually legally buy out here and transport. It's like a giant salamander, oh, right? You guys got some shit and out there in the desert, man. So, <laughs> so you can hunt you. You can hook these things or you can hook a little bluegill or, you know, even at what we call a candy carp, which is like, you know, around the one pound range. Okay. And if you sink those down to the bottom at the middle of the night, if they're tied down, they're going to sit against the bottom or they're going to find some sort of structure that they can hunker against to, to protect themselves. And so the magic thing about that three-way float rig is that bobber keeps them off the bottom. So all night long, they're fighting against that bobber and they're just putting off a ton of scent. They're putting off a ton of vibration in the water and they're fighting that they're fighting it all night long. And it just, it just attracts those big fish. Oh my God. And then hopefully one of those big 40 pounders latches onto this thing and you don't break (laughs) off. And then, uh, (laughs) <laughs> you you bring it in, hoist it up over your shoulder. Let's talk about the posing a little bit. I want to talk about how you guys pose with these catfish because guys are throwing them over their shoulders. They're holding them out in front and like they're carrying like a, I don't know, man, like a limp body or something like that. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. What's up with the I pose think, with like the one over I, the shoulder and then like the hand in the mouth? Talk a little bit about I posing. Think that, yeah, I think that the part of the pose is about <laughs> is actually about CPR. It's about putting the fish back in the water. Uh, you, you know, sometimes uh, what we see is we'll see someone uh, pick that big fish up by either, if, especially if it's over forty pounds. Even if you pick it up by the by the lips, um, those that bone in the you'll you'll cause damage to the mouth actually. So that's one reason why they're picking it up by the middle. Gotcha. And they'll try also they'll try and avoid the, uh, picking it up by the gill plates because you'll do a lot of damage that way. And also it just looks kind of cool when you throw it up over your shoulder and you've done all that work and you, uh, part of the, part of the reward is getting the slime all over you, you know? Right. It's like a badge of honor, right? Yes, dude. Once we get you on a 40 plus pounder, you're going to throw it over your shoulder and you're going to walk down the bank so everyone can see. (laughs) I wouldn't know what to do with a fish like that, man. Honestly, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, no, that's important that you guys talk about that handling fish. Cause we talk about that on the podcast too, about 
safe release and things like that. And, you know, I mean, from what Mark was telling me earlier, it's not like you guys are keeping these 40 pound fish to go home and flay up. It's more of, you know, kind of like that, that little fight, that little battle between you and the fish, you know, kind of like you getting it in and, you know, having that badge of honor, that slime and kind of saying, you know, respecting the fish at the same time to let it go to fight it, you know, for someone else to fight. Uh, these big mature catfish that you know we're big richard and i and there's a lot of other local guys that are really big and what we call cpr i'm sure you know what it is or maybe some listeners that don't but catch picture release and just select selective harvest of the ones that we do end up taking home you know yep and actually eating so we're really selective on that and the big ones we just love taking pictures and just showing people that these species this amazing species actually exists they live in the water and it's amazing when people see one for the first time it just blows their mind they don't even know those these things live in the water out here no and they're they're a very important species to have in those river systems and reservoirs and a lot of folks don't realize that i know um here in the state of michigan uh you know they're they're kind of sought after or seen as a as a garbage fish you know what i mean like not a lot of guys go after catfish here in the midwest some do um but a lot of folks just you know don't realize how important they are to the to managing the ecosystem controlling the bait you know the bottom feeders and things like that and what they do for our rivers yeah 100 percent the um we've noticed that whenever the flathead if the flathead population moves at all or something if another species is introduced and that has an impact on it the and the flatheads are impacted then you just kind of see the deterioration across the lake uh, happen pretty quickly so 100 percent agreed now when it comes to the ones that you do want to you know to keep and and eat i know you guys don't have blues on there are flatheads good tasting oh they're excellent yeah they're my favorite for sure so the the two species uh that we have down here is we have the we have channel catfish um and we have flatheads uh uh, when we talk about if the of the two if one of them were to be the garbage fish personally speaking i would probably put the put the channel back um, but if I had a, so if I had a choice, I'd definitely take a, a flathead over a, over a channel. It's a better fighting fish. Uh, they tend to like that, the live bait, uh, meaning that they're moving a little bit more and they just taste a little bit cleaner to me. Um, so I, I prefer uh, flathead over channel. What do you think, Mark? Lee, you've never tasted flathead meat before ever, honestly. Dude, I don't know what I've eaten. I've eaten that. I've eaten in restaurants, but it's not like it says on there, you know, here's a flathead catfish. It just says catfish on there. Yeah, no, that's junk catfish. That's just whatever they catch, you know, on the trot lines or in the bayou in the in the in the ghetto swamps or whatever. But Oh yeah, Detroit River Bottom is what the, I call it up here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um you mentioned it earlier. It's just, there's a huge lack of education when it comes to these different species. And we can't say a lot about the blue cats, but you know, like Richard said, the two main species outside, we do have a little bit of bullheads, little teeny, you know, small yep. catfish, yep, but we got those. your cha- your, your channel cats and your flatheads and everybody, when they hear catfish, they think bottom feeder, they think channel cat, they think garbage fish, whatever. But they don't understand 
that these flatheads are the top of the food chains. You know, they're the wolves of the freshwater. They're the hunters. They eat live bait. That's their main source is, is bait fish. And so when you eat a flathead catfish and you taste that meat for the first time, that white flame, sometimes that belly meat is just, it's unbelievable. We deep fry it occasionally, you know, we don't, I don't harvest a lot of fish, but when I do, when we fry those nuggets, we give them to our kids and they dip them in ketchup and they think it's the best chicken nuggets that we've ever had. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, when I was in, I think it was in Nashville, my wife and my anybody in my family can attest to this. We went out and, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, great restaurants down there and I got the fried catfish. And I told my wife, I think that is probably one of the top two best meals I've ever had when it came to seafood. And that was one of them was the fried catfish that I had down there. And ever since, <laughs> ever since then, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start focusing on these and see what we got back home and see if I can fry some up or catch some. Don't eat those channel cats. They taste like dirt. Honestly, get yourself, get yourself like a five to 10 pound flathead. If you can find them and just take one home, harvest it and, uh, get, and try it out with your wife and see what you think. So the two species that I do have here in Michigan is uh, channel and flathead. So I'll just have to make sure it's a flathead before I fry it up. Um, but before I let you guys go here, Mark, you're talking a little bit about how, you know, you guys are kind of, uh, you, know, you and Richard are coming together. Are you guys, you know, starting anything that uh, the folks can uh, look out for? Like, uh, is it a YouTube channel? Or are you guys starting a guide service? Or what, what are you starting? <laughs> You know what? All I can say right now is keep your eyes peeled for clean cut catfishing. Okay. And um, just keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, you're you're going to be seeing the, seeing the logo come out. You'll see it. Clean cut catfishing. It's kind of got a unique um, story behind it. Just real quick, you know, Richard can tell you a little about his story, but you know, by day I own a financial services business. I'm a licensed financial advisor. And so by day I help people with their money. And at, at night I chase monster flatheads. And uh, Richard, you want to tell them what you do? Yeah, just insert own my own uh, financial services. I, I'm a branch manager for a, for a financial services business down here. So yeah, I just kind of help people out with their money during the day and then go chase big flatheads at night. Oh, damn, some white collar catfishing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so white collar ghetto at heart cat fishermen. So we kind of came up with this clean cut cat fishing and it can go so many different ways, but you know, we really are a little bit different when we show up to tournaments, you know, you're fishing amongst these awesome guys with gnarly beards and just, you know, people think kind of that redneckish, you know, hillbilly kind of demographics. And yes, that's, that's mostly true. But there's also a lot of other anglers out there that are getting into the sport and learning about catfishing. And so we just came up with this logo and this brand called Clean Cut Catfishing. And so we're going to be coming out with some content and some stuff here in the near future. I can't tell you all those surprises, but just keep an eye out for it when you see the logo. And again, we really, really appreciate you inviting us on the podcast. It's sweet, man. Oh, man, you guys are going to be my catfishing experts and my go-tos in the future. So you guys will be back on this podcast. That's awesome. And we're going to be asking you financial advice because the Dow was down 3,000 points today. So, Yeah. <laughs> Finan financial tip of the day. Be fearful 
when people are greedy and greedy when people are fearful. Dang, man. That's some good (laughs) advice to leave everybody on right now as, as we're all hunkering down. And second thing is you can't get Corona when you're catfishing, but I think we covered that in the beginning. Oh man, everybody, any angler, any anybody listening to this podcast, you just see all these people like you can't get sick out on a boat. So get out there, get some fresh air, take the kids out, wet a line, and uh, you know now's the time to do it. So I want to thank you guys again for coming on the podcast, and uh, make sure we'll be following you guys along. What are your uh, social handles again, just so folks can uh, follow along? Uh, right now, just mainly follow on Instagram, mark.fatcat. That's going to be changing to clean cut catfishing here in the, in the near, near future. Okay. And, uh, again, thanks for having us on. Really wish you the best of luck on your podcast. And I'm excited to come on again and share some more information. So wish you mega, mega success and tight lines. Thanks buddy. Richard. Yeah, right now, uh, let's just go through Mark's. Uh, if not, uh, the only other social media I have to take a completely different left turn is through my band's page called Scattered Ashes. So uh, look up Scattered Ashes on Facebook. All right, I'll link to all that in the show notes. And uh, Richard, thank you for coming on too, boys. And uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, thank you. Talk to you later. See ya. There you have it, everybody. Some uh, some passionate Arizonan cat fisherman and i uh i really enjoyed having both richard and uh mark on the podcast i thought they did an excellent job and you know what the the amount of information that they shared with with us even though they're out in arizona you know i can see all of those techniques all of those setups and all of those kind of uh you know areas to look for in rivers and reservoirs for catfish um, can apply basically anywhere for the most part in the United States. And you guys can always go out there, uh, hopefully based off of this knowledge that they just shared with us and, uh, you know, rope into some catfish yourself, which is something that I plan to do. And I've been wanting to do for a very long time now. So again, I want to thank Mark and uh, Richard for coming on the podcast. Those guys are some energetic dudes and it's really cool to see, you know, they live two, 3000 miles away from me and to have that kind of passion for a species of fish kind of like I have for walleye and uh, to get on and and just share that knowledge with everybody uh, I feel super fortunate to have uh, you know connected with those guys and for them to spend that time with us tonight so uh, anyways other than that guys during these crazy times that we have going on in the world uh, I'm going to keep ripping out some podcasts for you guys to hopefully pass the time Keep sending in those comments, those questions, uh, you know, topics that you guys want to hear. DM me on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about this episode. These uh, these topics and things like that are coming straight from you guys. These are the ones that you requested, and uh, I'm going to keep kicking these out and uh, hopefully checking off those lists of questions and topics that you guys want to hear about. But, uh, you know, I've, I've heard another podcaster say this out there uh, from one that I listened to, and, and I think it's fitting for the times right now. Make sure you, uh, you know, be good to your guys' selves and take care of each other out there, and uh, we'll get through this, all right? So stay up, and in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.